welcome Bulls Nation to part two of our State of the Bulls episodes here on the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and in part one, we were joined by Marcus Couch, Salim Sertawala, Ryan Borja, and C. Red Fred. That panel looked back at the 2020 season and shared their thoughts on the new front office, as well as the hiring of head coach Billy Donovan. Here in part two, we're going to talk about what's next for the Chicago Bulls. Now that the front office has mostly taken shape, and the team has an experienced and respected head coach to mold the young roster, what are the next steps to take this team from rebuilding to contending? Joining us for this discussion on the State of the Bulls, we have two very knowledgeable guests from Bulls Outsiders that many of you in Bulls Nation know very well. First, he's the co-host of the Locked on Bulls podcast, Matt Peck. Hey, Matt. Welcome back, sir. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. You're always welcome, my friend. And co-host of the Bowl on Bulls podcast. He is Big Dave Watson. What's up, good news? MG. How are you, my friend? You say Young G? I say MG. Oh, I thought you said Young G. I'm like, that would be a great nickname. I'd love to have that. <laughs> well, you um, can have that. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right, fine. I'm going to use it from now on. We'll call it the Young G podcast. I will be on it. <laughs> Young G after dark. Oh, oh um, I'm definitely on that. <laughs> One of those adult Showtime channels. Yeah. It's part Skinamax, part C-SPAN. Nice. <laughs> I mean, if it features Big Dave, I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> A lot of the ladies would watch. Hello. All right, so gentlemen, unlike the previous panel discussion we had on the on the Rebuildable podcast, this episode's going to focus on the future of the team. But I still want to get both your perspectives on the changes that were made. And I actually want to start with a question just for you, Matt, because I know you've been very honest in your assessment of ownership on your podcast and on some of the episodes of Bulls Outsiders. How surprised were you that the Reinsdorfs actually made sizable changes in the front office? Well, Matt, I was very surprised. Um, you know, we kept hearing whispers even towards the beginning of the 1920 season. Some local, you know, media people say, hey, I'm here and that, that the Ryan's Orchestra may be getting ready to make a change. And my answer to anybody, anytime I heard that was, I'll believe it when I see it. Because we had 17 years of Jerry Krause and then we had 17 years of John Paxson, 34 years and two people running basketball operations for this organization. We know how loyal Jerry Reinsdorf is. And honestly, to me, the thing is, I don't know if we're sitting where we are today with our brand new shiny toys, Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, Billy Donovan, J.J. Polk, Pat Connolly. If it weren't for John Paxson finally looking himself in the mirror and saying, I can't do this and or I don't want to do this anymore because that's the way it was reported. That's the way we heard it is that John Paxson was one of the vocal, you know, vocal people with ownership saying we need to make a change because this isn't working. He basically had to fire himself. And if he didn't, he could still very well be the VP of basketball ops for this organization. So knowing what we know about the Reinsdorfs and their loyalty. Yeah. I was very surprised. Yeah, and, and you know what, Dave, this was something that I know was brought up when when I hopped on uh, Ball on Bulls with UNCW. We talked about Paxson, you know, basically going into Michael's office and saying, hey, I'm I'm bad at my job. Like, we, uh, we have to make a change. Were you surprised, too, with how everything went down? 
Uh, probably not as surprised as Matt, because I, I could kind of see the writing on the wall that it was time for a change. I am surprised that how it happened, um, him actually walking in the room, because Matt's, Matt's correct. The only way the change was going to happen was going to be for John Paxson to say, dude, I can't do it anymore. Um, and so the way it happened was, was surprising to me, but the fact that it happened wasn't. I mean, it was time. You, we, you were, you were just a huge laughing stock, you know, for years, you know, and years and years. You were a laughing stock, and you know, nobody wanted to come here to play. Your free agents, you know, scoffed at you. Uh, you're having mutinies on your own team. I mean, it was just bad. And Bobby then your coach punched Nico in the yeah, face. Bobby, Co- <laughs> yes, punching people is not is not a thing that that's good that sits well. I remember Darnell. We just had Darnell Mayberry on the show. And he, um, he said that was his first thing. That was his first time at Bulls practices when he got there. That was his first introduction to the Chicago Bulls was Bobby Porter's punching Nico in the face. So, oh so yeah, that kind of stuff happening, you just know, you could just smell the change was, was going to have to occur because this is just a proud franchise. And, you know, we, we, we couldn't go through any more years of that. And, yeah, I'm just super excited it happened. And I think it's also interesting that we the like the the steam really picked up about the Bulls are going to make a front office change of some kind. They're going to be some restructuring leading up to All Star Weekend, which the Bulls hosted yes. for the first time. The, the city of Chicago hosted for the first time since the late '80s, and the entire NBA universe arrived in Chicago: media, players, stars, agents, executives, and the Bulls were one big punching bag the yep. whole weekend. And that that was the tipping point, you know, I and that was something that was brought up on the on the previous episode with with our panel. And I said that was the boiling point when when everything changed, because I do think Gar Foreman was going to be let go. I think that was going to be your sacrificial lamb. Mm -hmm. But I think that was what actually spurred sweeping change, because, you know, I don't know if you guys are big listeners to ESPN 1000, but, you know, David Kaplan brought it up that. That weekend was when they heard from other executives around the league and other stakeholders around the league that, look, the state of your franchise is not good. Like they sat down with a bunch of different people and went through what was wrong. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely agree that that was that moment where everything changed. And I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I am, too. Extremely glad it happened. And, you know, some people have some people are just hard headed. You know, some people have to find out things the hard way. So hearing mm-hmm. from around the league, you know, what your team is and what it looks like, you're like, really? You're like, yeah, we've been kind of telling you this for years, like, about what's going on with you. Like, just fans have been saying it. Players well, have been yeah. saying it by yeah. not coming here. They've been saying this to you. So, yeah, sometimes you, you got – they're just hard-headed. Some people are just hard-headed and have to be punched in the face to realize that there's a problem. Well, it was that one interview Paxson did in particular. I want to say it was on 670, the score. Oh, classic. Uh, Dave, I think you and John yes. and I were in the green room together while it yes, was happening. Was. Yep. And it was the one where he was getting really defensive and saying, you know, these interviews start to feel like interrogations. And the question that was posed to him was essentially like, these are some of the things that are being said about the Bulls by national media, by people in the NBA, in other markets, on other teams. And what can you do? to change that and and like are you willing to admit to the fact that these are things that are being said about your organization and Paxson's answer was essentially at the time like well a I don't believe that to be true and b if it is true there's nothing we could do about it and it was like oh my god face palm 
Well, and I think that it might have been that when he started to hear hear from those other people around the league, I feel like when your peers tell you there's something wrong, that's that's a swift kick in the ass to get yeah. things moving. Like when your best friend tells you, like, hey, man, you got to take a shower. Like you, Right, right. <laughs> like, dude, your breath smells <laughs> terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> So, Matt, you brought up the, the shiny new toys in, in Arturis Karnaschovas and, and Mark Eversley. So I want to ask both of you. It's, it's very early. We can't say, like, you know, are, are they the right duo for the job? But is there something specific that you've liked to this point that they've done? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Matt know where I'm going with this. I knew, I knew it was on, and I knew it was for real when they got rid of Jeff Tanaka. That's when I knew it was real. <laughs> That's when I said, yep. <laughs> you know what? Real quick, Dave. So you're the record holder on Rebuildable. Okay. You've been on, I think, like six times. Yes. Um, which is insane because I've only been on for a little over a year. So I'm just not good at booking people outside of the circle. But you've brought up Jeff Tanaka, I think, on four out of six episodes. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> do do tell listeners that might not have listened before why you're not a fan of Jeff Tanaka. Oh, because he's terrible for one. Um, <laughs> he just was not good. At good night, his everybody. Job. Yeah, see, he's just not good. I would you would just sit and watch him, and you know, just taking his time getting on the court. You know, what I'm saying to help players. I mean, I, I never you Matt. You remember the time when we just sat and we watched uh, Otto Porter Jr. just laying on the ground, bleeding out of his face. Oh my god! And, and it took Jeff Tanaka literally a minute and a Tanaka half. Tanaka was on a Sunday dude, afternoon stroll to get we, over to him. We were sitting there in the green room, screaming like, "Where is the trainer?" Like we were like, "Where is he? Where is he at?" And he would come over, and you know, he he'd only have like one glove on and. You know, he's looking at his knee, but it's blood coming out of his face. And it's like, what, when you're looking at the wrong thing, I need you to help. It, it just was bad. It was just a bad look. And then just the amount of injuries. And I'm, I'm not saying they're all his fault. I mean, obviously, they're not all his fault, okay? But just the amount of things that happen on your watch. You know, I'm looking at you because, you know, that's your department. So I'm looking at you and your department, and, and your numbers aren't looking good. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what is going on? And the fact he was bit here for about 11 seasons, I believe that's how long he had been there. It just, it was time for a change. And I just felt like all great teams always have a really good trainer. Like all those really good basketball teams don't deal with the amount of injuries that the Bulls uh, kind of deal dealt with for about, what, three, four years? Even go back further than that, yeah. if you want to talk about Derrick Rose or you want to talk about Lou Dang, you want to talk about stuff like that. They just, Final tap. Yes, you want to talk about that? Oh, you know what I mean? You can go back even further. You can go Joe Kim Noah, you know, with the plantar flash, flashyitis. Even when I saw he was wearing the wrong shoes, and I'm not the trainer. I'm like, why is he wearing those shoes? Like, can somebody change that? And it took them a long time to figure that out. So it's just that kind of stuff was driving me crazy. He was, like, number two on my hit list. So once he got him out of there and I saw that, I said, oh, oh, he's for real. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is serious because it let me know that he was kind of seeing what I was seeing. And it just let me know he, he has a logical basketball brain. And, and that change needed to be made. So, yeah, when I saw that, I, I knew everything would be all right. Did, did his van get a police escort? Oh, no, 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 not at all. No police escort for his van. We just, we gave him an escort a, of a rotten nice, vegetables. Well, yeah, I was thinking police uh, escort. escort to get it, like, get his ass out of town as quickly as possible. No, no, escorts, 
if you if I give you a van and you get a police escort, that means I kind of liked you. See, okay, gotcha. you know it it, go, it goes plane, bus, van. So if hey. if you got an escort with your van, that means you know I kind of liked you and you know you did some okay stuff while you were here. You know what I mean? But no, he didn't get no escort. He got the blacked out. You know what I'm saying? You can't see any windows out of this van or anything like that. There's only one way in, one way out the van, and that's you know through the two doors in the front. Then you can't even open it in the back. <laughs> no, he got he okay. Got the so. Van. So, so the Tanaka move, which is very unconventional, I like that response. But for Matt, for you, uh, what was, I guess, uh, one thing that you've seen from this duo that made you say, "Okay, this, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about about these two in the front office." Yeah, well, obviously, you know, I liked the Eversley hire, um, and for the same reason, I liked the Billy Donovan hire because they are guys that AK didn't necessarily have a pre-existing relationship with in the mm-hmm. NBA, but they were people who were respected, who AK talked to his connections, his his web of NBA people and said, oh yeah, this person, talk to this person. Oh yeah, talk to that person. And the fact that he is embracing people who have different basketball minds and different basketball thoughts and different ba- basketball backgrounds than he does, because that to me is the antithesis of what has been so, f- pardon my French, fucking flawed with the Bulls organization in the last 17 years of Gar and Paxson, which is, okay, well, you know, we've got our Rolodex that has like the name of six players that are currently somewhere in the state of Iowa on it. And uh, we've got these coaches that have some connection to the state of Iowa. And that like the the Bulls are so in-house and it was driving the fan base crazy. They were like caught in a stone age and didn't talk to other people in other NBA circles because they didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the biggest thing about AK that we've seen already with multiple examples of here's a guy who is well-respected as an executive in the NBA and an international basketball whose Rolodex is like 18 billion times bigger than that of John Paxson or Gar Foreman. And he's already, you know, displayed his willingness and ability to go out and bring in other smart basketball people who he didn't necessarily know. Cause like he went to their daughter's wedding. <laughs> That is what makes a great NBA front office. If you look at some of the best front offices around the NBA, they are packed with people from around other organizations, right? Like it is a web of different people from different organizations. So that's kind of got me, I know, very geeked up is is seeing them uh, giving that ability to branch out a little bit. And, you know, the coaching hire was that. You brought up, uh, both you brought up Billy Donovan. And that's something that I know has a lot of people really pumped and excited because you finally have a coach coming in that has a decorated resume. You know, the, the last head coach that was hired with previous NBA head coaching experience on the Bulls uh, was Scott Skiles. And he came in with a sub 500 record. Billy Donovan's coming in with almost a 600 winning percentage in the NBA. We know about the two national titles at Florida. And I, I want to get your thoughts. We'll start with you, Dave. Um, just what were your thoughts on the Donovan hire? And, you know, was there somebody else that was initially on your radar that you wanted over him? Oh, uh, well, I'll be honest. He wasn't my first choice uh, to to coach this team. And that was strictly based on the fact that I just wanted something new. And since I, my my ideology and my thought process was AK's never been by vice president before. Mark Eversley has never been a general manager before. We could bring in a first year head coach with that and just they can all grow together. That was my thought process, and it had nothing to do with basketball. With with who I wanted, again, it had nothing really to do with basketball. I just wanted Udoka because 
I just looked, I was like, yeah, it looks like he's a good fit. Plus he's married to Nia Long. So I know he makes great decisions. So I was like, this man can be the coach of my team. And yeah, it just was the look of it. So when they said Billy Donovan, I was like, well, eh, okay. But Billy Donovan wins. Billy Donovan goes to the playoff all the time. Like you said, he has two national championships. Um, he has ties to ex-Bulls players like Joe Kim Noah. Uh, he's smart. He's respected around the league. Okay. And and the bottom line of everything, and I continually said this, was if AK and Mark said it was okay, then I'm with it, period. I was going to be with it if they signed off on it. So since they signed off on it, I was completely like, okay, let's do it. We got a winning basketball coach, and he's not an old basketball coach. And, and I haven't heard any bad thing, you know, about him, you know what I'm saying, from players. I mean, I remember Kevin Durant had some things to say about him previously, but he kind of retracted a lot of those statements. But around the league, Billy Donovan is respected, you know, as a basketball coach and a basketball mind. So those two things are very important for me. And yeah, I'm completely with it. Yeah. I mean, I would say mostly I was not looking too closely at Billy Donovan because I didn't think that the Bulls had a shot at him. You know, we we saw that one tweet from Woj soon after he parted ways with OKC officially that said the Bulls were expected to be interested. And then it was like, you know, silence after that. And we kept hearing about all these other names of people who had impressive interviews and like, we're going to get a list of finalists, but we never actually got a list of finalists, but we got kind of a list of finalists, you know, and it was like Atkinson was the one coach with previous head coaching experience. And then all the other assistants, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. who got a lot of praise for the Nuggets playoff run and, um, you know, Ime Udoka with the Eversley Philly connection. And, and so those are the names that we were focusing on, but Yes, I'm absolutely happy. More than okay, I'm happy with the fact that secretly and silently, AK was immediately shifting his focus as soon as he figured out Billy Donovan was available and went and got his man because AK identified that he was the best open available coach on the market. Mm -hmm. Like he shifted their entire coaching, uh, you know, search process as soon as Billy Donovan became available. And that was one of the things I loved hearing from Eversley when he spoke to the media just the other day was saying like, yeah, as soon as we heard that stuff about Billy being open, AK was like, let's get in the limo. Let's go to O'Hare. We're flying to wherever (laughs) Billy Donovan is. And yes, all the things Dave said about his track record in the NBA, he wins five playoff trips in five seasons as an NBA head coach two championships at the collegiate level and whether it's Joakim Noah or his old uh, or Donovan's old mentor Rick Pitino like who was on Chicago Sports Talk Radio after the Mm -hmm. hire the people who have been around Billy Donovan at the college level and at the NBA level have all said the same like general thesis about who Billy Donovan is he's a great basketball development mind he is someone who is obsessed with the uh, you know, sports psychology element to professional sports. And he has the perfect balance of holding his players accountable while also making his players feel like he's on their side mm-hmm. and he is there to support them. Yeah. And so that is the perfect sweet spot between the last two coaches that the Bulls decided to hire, Fred Hoiberg, who was like, I don't care, do whatever the fuck you want. And Jim Boylan, who was like, I'm going to treat you like you're a kindergartner. (laughs) So, yeah, by all of those accounts, I think Donovan is a perfect hire. And the Bulls fans who were complaining about like, oh, well, KD's burner didn't like him or he fell short in the playoffs. It's like, okay, he lost to a historically great 73-win Warriors team. Yeah. And 
didn't get to the finals in the Western Conference, which has been basically impossible for the last mm-hmm. decade for all of the teams that are in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So for Bulls fans, I'm like, yo, hey, can we get above 30 wins first and then worry about Donovan's <laughs> exes right. in the playoffs? Like, come on. Yeah, man, I, I completely agree with that because when Matt and I talked about this, one of the things I mentioned was one of my um, negatives on Billy Donovan was I never liked the fact that he didn't make adjustments, especially in the playoffs. He, he's not a guy who made a lot of adjustments. I was like, but honestly, that's further down the line. <laughs> I was like, I'm, that's not even something I'm really concerned about. I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to crawl before you walk out here. You know what I mean? And the Bulls have problems crawling. So I'm trying to learn how to crawl first. So I have no problem. And I'll worry about playoff adjustments and deep runs and that later on. So, and, and also, one more thing about, Ever, about uh, AK and Mark, from the beginning, AK has continually said, I'm going to take the best available. He continually said that and stressed that when he's talking about players, when he's talking about draft yep. picks, and now when he's talking about coaches. I'm taking the best available, the best person available. Not fit, not this, not that. The best available. And Billy Donovan, right at that point, was the best available mm-hmm. coach. Whether, <laughs> no, whether he was my first choice or not, he was the best available coach, no doubt. And I think well, I, the other thing you you mentioned, okay, we'll worry about the in-game adjustments, you know, of a playoff series at a later date when the Bulls actually get back to the playoffs. The thing that I really like about Billy Donovan is that season to season and based on his roster, he's shown an incredible level of adaptability. And he's already mm-hmm. even talked about that, talking about, you know, and it was a question that somebody in Bulls media asked him about, you know, analytics and phrased it kind of that way. I basically just said, hey, be like, we, we were just subjected to a year of Jim Boylan being like, we're going to play this way, damn it, and I don't care who's on our roster and what they're <laughs> right. good at or bad at. And Donovan, whether it was the old you know Durant-Westbrook Thunder or the Westbrook-by-himself MVP Thunder or the Westbrook-Paul George-Carmelo Thunder or the CP3 Thunder, he adapted his offensive and defensive strategies every single season based on the talent he had available and made that team a playoff team all five of those years with insane roster turnover. That is something that Bulls fans could look at as a positive because he's going to take this young, very impressionable, moldable roster of young talent that was just, you know, like, you know, reprimanded into playing only Jim Boylan's way and actually listen to them and learn about what they're good at and what they're bad at and coach accordingly. Mm hmm. You know, and I want to actually add a little bit of a different wrinkle because something that that you said, uh, well, both of you said about AK and Mark being aggressive in their pursuit of Billy Donovan. Um, What that would tell me as a Bulls fan and what has me kind of encouraged by by this front office, if they were able to pivot to Billy Donovan because they saw he's available, what does that mean when a player hits free agency or a notable player wants to be traded? And the Bulls might actually be in pursuit of them. Like this, this shows me that this could be a an aggressive front office, and that's something that I feel like we've never had here. We haven't had it in a long time. You know, in 17 years of Garpax, had they really taken massive swings other than you know a few free agent meetings? That it, it's kind of refreshing. That might be something that that we could see down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, I that is something that I'm trying to at least tell myself, if not to a full tell fellow Bulls fans to punk the brakes on as far as expectations because I think for the most part everybody's been very happy with the moves we've made so far 
and that AK has done everything we've wanted him to do. He got rid of Boylan. He brought in a winning, experienced coach. He's done everything with a level of professionalism and bringing in other people around the league who are known for their back basketball acumen and their professionalism. The free agency thing is a different beast. And that's why I'm trying to not get my hopes up about that quite yet, because I, I even just the moves that AK has made already, we're starting to repair the damage that was done to this team's image across the league over several years. But there's oh, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of damage to repair. <laughs> and the bottom line is when the big name star players in this league come upon free agency, We've seen it for the past decade now, starting with the Heatles in 2010. Big star players want to play with other big star players. You know, they, they're friends because they get to know each other through their many games against each other. They hang out all-star weekends. Some of them play USA basketball together, and they say, let's team up in XYZ location. The Bulls are on their way to repairing their damage to at least be a team where maybe they can start getting players in the building for interviews and for pitches again. But it's still a toss-up to say, do we have the financial flexibility to do this? Do we have commitment from ownership to, to overspend if necessary? And do these players want to come play here together? Because that's the big thing about free agency. You, you don't have to get one. You have to get two. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, you could take, there is a route that's kind of interesting. Like you have to be able to sell. I, I do agree with you. You have to sell too. Um, you don't necessarily have to have one already on your roster. You know, like you can do what basically Brooklyn did, which is have a setup of really nice number three, number four pieces that are, are complimentary. Commit to the fact that you're going to overspend and be flexible to add more players and, you know, that's how you get two, two stars in free agency. But you're right. It takes a lot of work. And, that, and that'll be interesting to see. Are, are Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas going to get that level of commitment? And really, is ownership going to commit to that? That's going to be a really big wrinkle in all of this, too. I think what that's one, actually one thing I'm very optimistic about is just watching how the front office has spent money so far. And we're not used to him. What what do you say, Matt? How does say he throw, throws uh nickels around like manhole covers? Like that was that was that's how it was said about the Bulls front office. And just watching them to get AK cost you. You know what I'm saying? To get Billy Donovan cost you. Like this these these are things we're not used to them seeing. They don't pay coaches. Like, you know, that's not that's not a norm for the Chicago Bulls. So and telling me AK can do how he wants and you know what I'm saying, and handle the team how he wants. Watching them pay those guys gave me optimism that going into free agency, they're not going to have a problem paying somebody as long as AK tells them this is the guy. Front office expansion. You know, they're, they're going from a very small front office and they're starting to expand it out even more. I mean, they still haven't hired all the positions that they, they're planning on adding from what we've read. So, I mean, there, it seems like there's a financial commitment from the Reinsdorfs there. But I, to Matt's point, you know, when you talk about the roster, it is a bit of a different beast because there is a luxury tax element to it that I think you do have to commit to when you do sign these stars. I, I want to address the one quick thing here because Mark Eversley did recently come out and say that this is no longer a rebuild, but more of a retool. Now, here's my, my take with that. You can interpret that in a lot of different ways. 
You know, does it mean you're being aggressive this offseason to acquire better role players to complement the core? Or do they want to put themselves in position come 2021 for a big free agent? Um, we're not sure what that exactly means, you know, retooling. How would you translate that? And I'll start with I'll start with you, Dave. How would you translate that? And how do you think that will play a role into into this upcoming offseason? Well, actually, him saying that I had brought that question up when they hired Billy Donovan, because my question was, when you hire a guy like Billy Donovan, doesn't that mean you're trying to win? I, is it, and, and not just win next year. I, you know, try to make a move to, you know, get into the playoffs or do something this year because he doesn't sound you don't get you don't spend that kind of money on that kind of coach to say, OK, let's find out what we have and rebuild and then come at it again. No, that's a guy you get because you want to win. Like, you're trying to win something right now. So hearing him say that kind of validated that for me. Like, you're not going to try to rebuild it there. They're like, we have talent here. I, it's made me laugh how many times I've heard them say, uh, we they've underachieved. They have the talent here. We're shocked that, you know, <laughs> that they underachieved so much with all the talent that they have, they have here. Um, so that lets me know that they're trying to do something now. And... Because to do something now, like you can't go into that free agent, you know, off season after, you know, after this uh, next season with a team that, you know, is rebuilding. You know, you want to show that you've made the playoffs and you've made strides and you made steps and you just need, you know, maybe one or two free agents, you know, to come over and, you know, provide their services to get us to that next level. So that's kind of what I think he means by, you know, retool. The Bulls making the playoffs, lower seed, like seven, eight, whatever you want to call it. But getting into the playoffs and, you know, just showing themselves on the national level and showing themselves to free agents and getting them out there to let them know, like, hey, this is a place, you know, you guys might want to be. This this is a team you guys might want to play for. We got some young talent here that you guys might like. So, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it as far as retooling. I, I think they're looking at it now. Like, they don't strike me as people who are waiting, you know? Like, they strike me as guys who are who are moving now. Whether they make the move, you know, for this offseason, that's yet to be seen. Like you said, that's money. That's definitely money issue. So, I mean, there's, there's things that's, you know, yet undetermined. But they're definitely taking a look at it and finding out and weighing options for sure. I definitely think they're doing that for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I hate that Eversley used that exact word because it's the same <laughs> word Gar used. I knew he was going to say that. Yeah. We're not rebuilding, we're retooling. And then he signed Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo, and I wanted to kill myself. Three alphas, um, baby. Chicago's very own in the final Robin's very own. Uh, yeah. So that, that was my first thought when I heard that word, I was like, Oh, don't use that word. It was like, it was like when George W. Bush said, we're going to conduct a crusade and everybody was like, no, 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 don't use that word. Um, but look, I mean, I think it makes sense for this new front office, the new coaching staff, um, the new player development staff that, as you said, Matt, they're going to build out, to take a season to evaluate what they have. Do they want to like build around Zach Levine long-term? What do they see in Wendell and how he was underused this past season? What do they see with Lowry and how they could correct the regression we saw from him this past season? And then from there, they will make decisions about who do we want to go out and target. Um, So if you want to call that retooling, fine. I think, by and large, their flexibility coming into this offseason, this de- you know delayed offseason, is pretty limited. When you talk about the number of contracts they have on the books, 
the cap situation because of the money lost this season by the league and, and the pandemic shutdown. There's not a lot of wiggle room. I, I, I do believe that AK will try to make a couple of moves. The swing for the fences to me is obviously going to come in the following season's off season when the Bulls have Otto Porter Jr.'s money clearing off the books, Cristiano Felicio's money, thank God, clearing off the books, plenty of cap space to work with, and they will have had a season to develop the young talent on the roster and evaluate it because that's the first step. And I do believe that that's what AK wants to do right now because the Denver Nuggets that just surprised a bunch of people who went to the Western Conference Finals, that was a in-house built team. They drafted well, and they developed the talent that they had. They didn't go out and sign some big-name free agent. Well, and I actually want to piggyback off that a little bit because you mentioned, you know, they might not be making the big free agent signings because of of what they have committed next year. How do you both feel about players like Tomas Sadoransky, Thad Young, Chris Dunn? You know, Chris Dunn, of course, could end up entering free agency. But do you think it would be wise maybe to consider moving one of those pieces if you can and maybe try to upgrade your complementary pieces? Or are you okay with with those three being on the roster and and kind of being role players to this young core with a new head coach? I I don't see Chris Dunn still being here. I I, I in my mind, um he's gonna leave, you know, he's gonna get this contract and he's gonna go. Uh, I don't mind them playing, you know what I'm saying, with the hand that they that they have or the hand they've been dealt right now with Sadoransky and things like that. Because like Matt said, like Sadoransky had a, what, two-year deal? Um, I don't, Three, I don't mind. only partial guarantee yeah. on the third. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, like basically, yeah, basically a two. And, yeah, like I, I just think it's okay. They, they're okay with having him there. And like you said, having Felicio, thank God, coming off the, uh, the books. Uh, after this season but having those guys I I don't have a problem with them seeing you know what they have with them and figuring it out because I think they'll figure it out quickly and that's where my confidence comes from like I don't think it's going to take them long to decide and make that decision of where Sadoransky should be and if Chris Dunn is still here and where Chris Dunn should be and where Valentine should be and where these guys you know I'm saying are best suited like even when Lori Marketing was, um, excuse me, as Matt, like as Lowry Marketing was here Lowry. Uh, having his interview, Mike and how he Lowry, said, Lori until he balls, uh, <laughs> until he balls, that's what he'll be. Well, I'll just call him Marketing, my man Marketing. But his interview, when he said Billy Donovan, when he had his conversation with him, he asked him, "So, where do you like the ball? <laughs> like, where, where do you like getting the ball at? Like, let me know what's good for you." So stuff like that just lets me know these guys are going to move quickly in, in determining where mm-hmm. these guys need to be. So I'm I'm not concerned if they keep um, Sadoransky, and I'm okay with them holding on to him. I'm okay with them holding on to the other pieces they have because I think they'll determine very quickly where these guys need to be and if they're going to fit into the future long term. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the most part, I'm on the same page with Dave. When we signed Sato and Thad, I was like, okay, these are actually like low-key, under-the-radar, smart signings for a team that's still clearly rebuilding, that needs some veteran players to come in and help the young guys, but won't pull focus from the young guys. Um, And for the most part, that's what we saw. Uh, And unfortunately, neither of them had a great season, and maybe some of that is adjusting to a new system, and maybe some of that was 
failing to adjust to Jim Boylan's system. Because, yeah. you know, and Big Dave knows this. I was all in favor of starting Sato over Kobe White, especially out of the gate. Uh, and, and then for a, a long time through the first half of the season when Kobe was really struggling the first leg of his rookie year, because I thought Sato could be a low-usage, high-efficiency player to just get the ball to Zach and Lowry and really let the the focal points, the young pieces of the roster, thrive and blossom while also being able to guy who could, you know, get you 15 points and eight assists every night. Because that's what he did when he took over and had like 55 games as a starter uh, in Washington the season prior. Sadly, I was wrong about Sato. I don't know how and why, but he, he was just bad this season. Um, and Thad... I think immediately just was like, I made a mistake. He came here and and was like, I I made a terrible mistake and did not want to be here. And yes, a veteran who is one of the most respected, like, you know, decade plus veterans in the NBA right now, any organization he's been at, people speak nothing but glowing things about Thad Young. But he came in as a bench piece because the Bulls were trying to develop Lowry and Wendell. And so all of those, you know, things between Sato and Thad and their playing time and the, and the fit, it was all just very frustrating and none of it worked. And because Jim Boylan was at the helm of it, everybody was pissed off about it. So both have that partial guarantee on their third years. Yes, like to your original question, Matt, I think that they are very movable pieces if the Bulls' new front office decides to go a different direction. Uh, it's just a matter of do they think they can find complementary pieces that will fit better than how those guys fit as they see it. Well, and I think that's why this training campish bubble they have going on is so important because this evaluation, I think, is going to be key in, in whatever they do this offseason. Um, and if these guys are still here, I think when we get to 2021, I think that tells you everything you need to know that they really think a lot of this was on Jim Boylan to not get the most out of out of these these pieces together. Because I like when the season started, I mean, I thought they were really great low-key moves, like you said, Matt. I thought that this was actually going to help the Bulls get to about like 35-ish wins and, and improve, and we would see some development. But it just it never never came into fruition last year. Uh, you know, the first order of business in the offseason is, is going to be the draft. And I'll start with you, Matt. If you were Karnaschovas and Eversley, how would you handle the upcoming draft? Are you standing pat at number four or are you trying to be aggressive to move up maybe for somebody like LaMelo Ball or are you using it to maybe acquire an established veteran? Um, if I were AK, I would either feel good about who I have at four based on how the board goes one, two, three. If it does go chalk, with some combination of Wiseman and LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, I would have my board of the people not named one of those three people uh, and make my decision on that and go with best available based on our scouting. And I would also be open to the idea of trading down into the first later in the first round and acquire another asset for the present or future. Um, there are some quality players in the mid to back end of the lottery picks, even like in the mid and late stages of this first round, as far as we know. And, you know, there is, to to me, this year's draft class, it's 
uh, it's a much better option to trade down than to trade up. I, I don't want to see the Bulls mortgage anything to like go get LaMelo Ball. And I'm I'm not saying that I don't like LaMelo and think he could be a good player in the NBA. Same thing for Edwards and Wiseman. I don't think any of those three players are trading up for. Uh, and there are plenty of options that I would be fine with at number four. Uh, most notably, I would say Killian Hayes, uh, you know, the international prospect, the lefty point guard who looks like he's already on his way to being a great playmaker with great court vision, um, which is something the Bulls desperately need. Um, you know, I, I also like Isaac Okoro. The, you know, of course, the the Israeli product, Denny of Dia, you know, seems to be the one that's getting the most, uh, you know, momentum from the Bulls fans on Twitter right now. I, I'm just kind of lukewarm on him, to be honest. But if I'm AK, I, I, I look at what I have on the clock at four and I either take best available or I look to trade down. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Matt, actually, on that. Um because let me preface this by saying whatever AK and Eversley want to do, I'm completely with. Like, however they want to play this, I'm completely with. But hearing AK say he's never drafted this high before, he's not used to drafting this high, um, you know, kind of opens that up. You know, that trading down factor kind of opens that up. And, and plus the fact that this is not a deep draft at all. And even, like, no, nothing for me is really set. At one, two, three. I mean, you can have Wiseman, you can have Lamelo, you can have Edwards, but honestly, it could go either way. Like, you can't really just say these guys are going to go one, two, three because it can completely go somewhere else. Like, guys, trades can be made, things can happen because it's not a deep draft. There's nothing solid and solidified uh, as far as the talent. And Lamelo is honestly the only one I'm just really truly sold on uh, in this draft. Who I'm like, yeah, this dude is you know going to be official. Um. I, I do like Denny. Um, I am part of that Bulls fan, and I didn't want to be. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be with them on this, but when I saw the tape, I was like, I like his basketball insanity. Um, this dude is a gym rat. I mean, he just wants to get better and just be better. The, the story of him hitting the game-winning shot and then running in the crowd, taking off his jersey, grabbing a baby, holding it up like the Lion King, was the, was the best. Yes. <laughs> Dude, it was the best. And then he did it again. <laughs> like he did he did it twice because he hit two game winners. He did the same thing twice. I'm like, this dude is basketball insane. And I and okay. I like that kind of insanity. Go ahead. So meatheads will eat it up, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They'll they'll things. yes, completely eat that kind I of love, stuff up. I love this guy's passion. Every right. time he's at <laughs> he comes into the crowd, gives me his jersey, yeah, takes a picture with my kid. Pitch. Yeah, loves that, you know, tells him to stay in school, you know. He's, you know, hard-nosed, tough guy, you know. But Oh, yeah, I like... nose to the grindstone. He's a right. blue-collar kind of guy. <laughs> but I actually like him. Like, I actually like his talent. <laughs> you know, that's the difference. It's, like, I it's not like, like Scalabrini kind of, right. you know, like, hard-nosed right. guy. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I actually like this dude's talent, and I kind of see his fit uh, if he's playing the three. You know what I mean? And I'm also thinking Alder Porter Jr., you know, is not going to be back after he signs, after, you know, mm-hmm. he opts back in for this ridiculous contract. He, he's going to be out of here after that. So I'm like, I think he would fit nicely at that three. Um, I also like Killian Hayes, too. Like, Matt Matt put me on Killian Hayes. Um, I, he had me look at him. When I found out he was left-handed, that kind of changed things for me. And I like his style and I like his game. I, I, I agree with everything Matt has said about him. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is another guy when you're trading down for it. He'll be there. Obi Toppin, I know a lot of guys uh, like Obi Toppin. I'm not, you know, completely big on Obi Toppin, but 
you know, like he 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 can play basketball. We'll say that. Um, he, so yeah, like I I'm okay with trading down if they want to trade down. Um, if they find somebody at four and they just feel like they have to take them, I would do that. I would stay with four and because I just like Denny and I think he would be a good fit here. But if yeah, I I have no problem if trading down either and just saying okay, if Tyrese Halliburton is going to be there, then I would make that move also. So Michael Walton from Bulls Confidential really, you know, turned my attention to Killian Hayes. And Killian Hayes, I think, would be a perfect fit. The the playmaking ability he has, I think, with with the talent you have now, I think it would be a perfect addition. But one of the things that I wanted to ask both of you, though, is there a player within that top three, that consensus top three of LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, um, who would you like to see fall to number four, if possible? Lamelo. Is it Lamelo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's Lamelo. Yeah, yeah, it's Lamelo. No question. And, and Anthony is is good too. I like him. It, but it was I liked weird. Him in ER. He was he was good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was amazing. Hey, you see him in Top Gun. He was special. Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds. He was off the chain. But but I like his his game was weird to me because I thought he he plays bigger than his size. Like I didn't realize he was six six five. I thought he was taller than that. I thought he was a three. I didn't realize he was a two. Um. He's interesting, but he he is skilled. Like he is completely skilled. He definitely has skill. Uh, you know, what I'm saying to play this game. But like I said, Lamelo's the only one I'm sold on. So yeah, I'm hoping Lamelo falls to four because I'm, I'm taking that immediately. Yeah, I, I'm with Dave. If any of those three were to fall, I would want it to be Lamelo for the playmaking ability. Mm-hmm. And like again, you both of you brought up Killian Hayes. Like I feel like that's the second best playmaker after after Lamelo. I think that would be a good pick. So if he's there at number four, I'd love to see the Bulls take him because again, it's just, it seems like the, the best possible fit. When we get into the 2021 season, whether that's played in Chicago, a bubble, wherever, um, do you expect significant improvement this season? And and do you think it, it could possibly result in a playoff berth? I'll start with you, Matt. Are you referring to my blood pressure and anxiety? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I expect a significant improvement. Um, I mean, I, I did not think even if everything went perfectly under Jim Boylan, which I didn't think it would, that the Bulls were a talented enough team to make the playoffs in the East last year. I, you know, I saw them, if everything went perfectly, they could make about a 10 win jump and they could be just shy as a ninth or 10th seed. Clearly everything did not go perfectly. And they were a lot worse than that. If you have the correct people in place, and you actually, instead of John Paxson just throwing this word around like a $5 hooker, build a culture that is worth something, <laughs> then you can have players who are actually happy to play with one another and happy to play for Billy Donovan. And they want to get better and they work at getting better. And they're put in positions not to fail, which Jim Boylan did over and over and over again, night after night, but put in position to succeed and to get better. So, yes, in that sense, I very much expect to see significant improvement this season. And that's not a playoff prediction of any kind. You know me. I'm not like my BFF slash nemesis Fred who's like, oh, we're totally winning a title next season. That's, that's, that's pointless. All you, all you do is make yourself look like a fool with those prognostications. But do I think it's possible that with a similar roster but new leadership – and a few tweaks to the systems offensively and defensively, this team can go from being a 22-win team to closer to a 30-something win team? Yes, absolutely I do. 
Yeah, I, I have a little more faith in them making uh, the playoffs, but I mean, that's just me in general. Um, but yeah, I, I can see. I mean, and I think what gives, again, what gives me hope for that is AK and Mark Eversley continuing to say, like, uh, no, this roster is pretty talented. Like, they've got some people here. And then, like Matt just pointed out, adding someone like Billy, Billy Donovan, who's used to winning. Like, he's not used to not making the playoffs because he's never not done it. Like, that's what he does. And he did it in the West all the time. And he did it. And and what really gives me hope is the fact that he did the team he did it with this year, with the aging Chris Paul, you know what I'm saying, with the young guys, with the SGAs, you know, and the people like that. And with the, you know, Dennis Schroeder, who had the best career game, I mean, best season of his life. Like, I had never seen him look that competent on the floor before. It was impressive. Um, Just knowing they had, what, like a 0.2% chance of, of making the playoffs, and they were, what, a, a six seed? Like, fifth seed. Fifth seed. It's even crazier. So the fact that I'm bringing that over here, that kind of mind over here to the Bulls and in the East, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm one – I don't think it's insane to think that they could make an AC with the moves that you've seen them make. Listen, Bulls Nation, um, to use Matt Peck's words, I don't think AK or Mark Eversley will throw anything around like a $5 hooker. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, to me, that's the line of the show right now. Um, that's, that's just a saying. I want to be clear that I have never no, yeah, had no, absolutely. any experiences in that realm, $5 or otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, look, I was going to say a $5 hooker will get you a bad itch. Um, so I think the one thing, though, with all these additions, and, and this is just my my own kind of personality and, and my own fandom, I, I'm one of those people that thinks we should start dreaming big. And why not? You know, you have a new front office. You have a respected head coach. You have some intriguing young pieces. And I feel like you can be – in a position to sell this kind of a situation to a notable free agent mm-hmm. um, a year from now. I, and I think especially if you do improve, if, if there is actually tangible improvement, if things do improve next season, do you think that this team can be a legitimate player in the 2021 free agent class? And I'll, I'll start with, with you, Dave. Ooh, that's a good question. Could they be a legitimate player? Um, I would say yes, they could definitely be a legitimate player if the team, because I, I kind of think that's their mindset of why they can keep saying Matt's favorite word, like retool, because mm-hmm. if they do that and make the playoffs, then automatically you look attractive uh, to a free agent. Because I, And I know John hates, hates this right here because he completely is against this, but Chicago is a market. <laughs> Chicago is a market, that, and it is a, a big market, and Teams will definitely, and knowing, you know, the history of it, you know what I'm saying, Michael Jordan, the six championships, and, you know, all those kind of things. And, and the and of course, let me throw Derrick Rose, Joe Kim Noah in there also. But just knowing that history of the Bulls, it still means something, you know what I'm saying, to those players. And just seeing how AK and Mark are awesome salesmen, you know, like to get Billy Donovan the way they did was incredible salesmanship. Okay, and like it lets me know that AK can de- definitely, you know, talk. You know what I'm saying? And it mm. lets me know Mark can actually talk. And you know, you remember the previous uh, regime, Gar Pax. Paxson famously said, "I am not a salesman." 
when right. he was on ESPN 1000 when it came exactly. to his approach to running but an NBA that's franchise. your job. Yeah. Yeah, that is I what know. you're supposed like, to do is sell the team to the people. Oh, my goodness. And and if you're watching, that's what AK and every, they're continually to say, you know, this great franchise. They say those kind of words like this great franchise, this, you know what I'm saying, this historic franchise. They continue to use words like that. Because they want to put that out there and keep getting it out there to guys, keep getting it out there to free agents. Like, no, nah, man, this is this this is the team that you guys will want to be with. So making the playoffs, uh, having all that talent, and just being on the national stage in that playoffs is definitely a way to look attractive to uh, free agents looking to go somewhere, get paid, and win. So yeah, and and it's again, it's in the East. So you know your road's a little not as hard as it would be in the West. Okay, Matt, I know you don't want to get hurt, but you know what? Dream big. Dream big. Come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. Do it. Do it. So I, I, I'm not going to say one way or the other. Like, do I think they're going to land a big free agent in 2021 or not? I don't think it's impossible at the, at the moment. I don't think it's likely. What I will add to the conversation is this. If the Bulls make a significant jump in the 2021 season and therefore become a more desirable free agent destination, it will be because the players on their roster got better. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that you have to negotiate an extension with Zach Levine if you want to keep Zach Levine? Does What does it mean for Lowry Markkinen, who right now almost certainly will push his contract extension talks onto the back burner of next offseason because I don't see the benefit for Lowry or the Bulls in trying to negotiate an extension right now coming off the piss-poor season he just had. So if the Bulls get better, it means it's happening because Zach and Lowry got better, and hopefully Wendell got better. But Wendell at least is another year away when it comes to contracts. So when the Bulls are going to be looking to add a big piece in free agency a year from now, how does that work with... Does Zach need an extension? Does Zach want to stay? And how much do you have to pay Lowry marketing? Mm-hmm. Well, those are good problems to have, in my opinion, right? Like, if you're in that position, then then that's where you really need a good front office, right? Like, what are those hard decisions you're going to have to make? You know, is is a Lowry extension something that you, you'd have to pass by because there's an opportunity to go get somebody that's big name free agent? do you get the financial commitment to make all those moves? Is ownership willing to say, Hey, go get those big free agents and then let's extend our guys because we can do that. We have their rights. So it'll be interesting. Like I would love to have that kind of a scenario happen where those two players can make that big of a leap where, where you're actually talking about that a year from now. This is a pie in the sky question for both of you kind of staying, staying with this theme of dreaming big here, which star do you want to see in the Bulls uniform? If you could, um, and it could be somebody that's a free agent in a year like Giannis, or it could be somebody that's maybe disgruntled like a, and I'll, I'll throw out a, a name like Carl Anthony towns that might want to be traded. I'm not saying that's a, a guy that anybody wants to have, but whatever. I'm, I'm actually curious. Like, is there a player that you would just love to see on this team as, you know, the, the leader of going from a, a rebuilding team to a contending team? And I mean, I'll start with- if you're saying pie in the sky is the parameter of this exercise, it, it can't be like it can't be like 92 Jordan. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, no, I know, I get you. Present, present players uh, only. Yes. But 
knowing that it has a 0% chance of happening because they will never, ever, ever, ever let him leave, my pick is Luka. Mm. Mm. Let's okay. So I guess let me let me let me add this caveat. Somewhat realistic, like somebody that you could see getting disgruntled, hitting the trade market, or somebody that you know is an upcoming free agent. I'll put that caveat. Up. Okay. All right. Well, then, yeah, that makes it a little trickier because for me, that's like, oh, that's the easiest answer ever. Um, hey, they could have had Luca if they actually tanked correctly, but that's a story for another day. Move on. Oh, move on. God. Move on. Oh, my move heart on. and my move brain on. Move on. <laughs> I would, I would, I would probably say Giannis. I would. Mm. If Giannis is the cherry on top of this whole Sunday, like suck it to my veins, because like, <laughs> I like no seriously, like that. Imagine if all of this culminates to a Giannis signing. Mm. Like, how sweet would that be for Bulls fans after 17 years of kind of just you know middling? you get the benefit of, of adding somebody like Giannis. That would be pretty freaking sweet. And how um, great would it be for him? After all these years of being subjected to living in the god-awful state of Wisconsin, he gets to come to Chicago? I do like spending a couple weekends in Milwaukee. I mean, the beer's Milwaukee's cheap. Awesome. You could stretch a dollar. Milwaukee is awesome. It's Wisconsin. Yeah. It's but fun. would I, would I want to be there 24-7? No. Yeah. No. Good weekend, though. Come hang out yeah. with me on a weekend in Milwaukee, Matt. Seriously, it's a good time. Oh, it's <laughs> I've had a lot, a lot of good memories, a lot of yes. good memories there. But me too. You know, and I feel like Giannis could benefit even in Chicago. Like, there's there's so much that you know he's he's a very cultural guy, and like mm-hmm. Chicago offers so much of that, and it, it is a big market. Whether people want to scoff at that, it is a big market still. Yeah. So. What about you, Dave? Is there is there a player that that you would like to see in a Bulls uniform at some point when, when uh, this all comes together? For me, and I and I know that this won't happen because he's very happy where he is. But to me, it would be Anthony Davis. Um, hmm. I would love Anthony Davis to come here with this team and play just back home. Just would come back home and, and play with this team. I just think you will be completely unstoppable with Anthony Davis. Not to say you won't be with Giannis either, because Giannis, it's it's a great fit because Giannis's, you know, biggest thing is, you know, the team around him um, not having enough. And the Bulls, I think, would have, you know, way more than enough uh, to make his life even easier, you know, in the playoffs and stuff like that. But for me, man, it's Anthony Davis, the guy who has absolutely just no weaknesses at all. Zero weaknesses. I- That's I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'd be okay with that answer too. Obviously, to me, it's it's Giannis or it's AD when you're making a you know a pick like that. There is one caveat though, Dave. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what we were just talking about and that god awful state of Wisconsin, if yeah. AD were to come and sign with the Bulls, he would have to officially renounce his Packers fandom and officially convert to being a Bears fan. Wow, you as that, long that as, is, as long as Anthony Davis is a Packers fan, I do not want him wearing a Bulls jersey. Yeah, yeah, that's, I don't give that's a ridiculous. Shit. Yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. Go ahead. Like, I really yeah, no, truly I'll, don't care. Here, yeah, like, look, it, it, that 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 is the ultimate meathead take right there. That like, <laughs> that is full meathead. Meat do you tank, also, baby. real quick, no, real quick, Matt. Do you also believe that the Bears, you know, if they go fourteen and two and lose to the Packers twice, that it was not a successful season? Are you one of those people? No, I mean, I'd be happy about 14 and two and I'd be butthurt about losing the Packers twice, but I'd call it a successful season. 
Okay. But and and you don't you don't take, you know, pride in going 2 and 14 because you beat the Packers for both those wins, right? Oh, I'd absolutely take pride in that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. oh yeah, that's that's meat pack right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my god. We got I take pride because we beat the Packers twice. We did I, it by running the I, ball. We ran the ball played for the me. defense. I hear but your mustache forming. I'm just I'm just saying what needs to be said. And guess what? <laughs> I'm not the only person that would say it if Anthony Davis came here. The entire city would say you have to be a Bears fan now. No, not I the entire city. No, that's hyperbole. Yeah, that's hyperbole city. right there. Stop it. No, we won't care. We won't care. Because the minute he walks in and puts that jersey on and drops 38 and 12. Like you will hey. not care. <laughs> and and, and not. okay, so so what if he's got you know amazing seats at Soldier Field, front row, fifty yard line, and he's decked mm-hmm. out in Packers gear for a Bears home game against Green Bay? You're cool with that? That means he yeah. better drop forty five tomorrow. Right. That's all that means. Yeah. <laughs> if, like, I'm no, good. That would if, that would if, that would bug the shit out of me. <laughs> if he, look, if he's if he's helping my team win, if he's helping yes. the Bulls become championship contenders, I don't give a shit. I don't care if, if he roots for the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't care yeah. if he roots for That's not the that's not the same thing. Well, whatever. Like yeah. I don't what go it's ahead. Silly. Yeah, Matt Miss MG, trust me. Okay. <laughs> we on the let same page. Let me Matt, just clarify. Matt, Matt, no, let me just clarify that I know that I'm being completely ridiculous right now. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I love right. that you're owning I still, it. I, but I still hate the Packers that fucking much. I see. I see nobody mm-hmm. likes the Packers, you know what I mean? But I, but winning, you know what I'm saying, for my team and the Chicago Bulls bring a championship home, yeah, I can I can love who you want. Go ahead. Fine. Love the Packers if you want to love the Packers. I, I don't care. Oh, the, don't get – love is love is love is love, except when the Packers are involved. <laughs> okay, so b- before we wrap up, there is actually a couple of things I, I did want to throw out there to you. Would you both have a willingness to – possibly trade some pieces to get pieces. So like we keep hearing about names like Victor Oladipo, Ben Simmons, and I, I brought up Carl Anthony Towns. Does that intrigue you at all as potential additions? Or are you looking more at, uh, I guess, more uh, higher tier superstars that you would want to add to this team going forward? I, I want the higher tier superstar. Um, I'm not I'm not big on Victor Oladipo. Uh, being here. Ben Simmons, yeah, I can see a scenario where I can make a trade for that. Carlton Towns, I can see a scenario where I can make a trade for that. Those are both, you know, great all-stars, you know what I'm saying, all-NBA kind of players. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of looking at a higher-tiered superstar uh, because I just think this Bulls team just has some real serious talent. And I would just like to see what it looks like uh, before I trade for a lower tier talent, you know what I mean? Like, so if I can figure out, you know what I'm saying, what this team is right now and how they look, if I can figure that out quickly, then I can make a better decision on that. But just off the top of my head right now, I, I wouldn't do I wouldn't, yeah, definitely not Victor Oladipo, but Carl, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Ben Simmons, yeah, I, I would definitely entertain that. I mean, I, I think uh, I would take it one step further from Big Dave. Um in that, yeah, I know this team is maybe in some way star for talent. We don't have an all-star. We haven't had an all-star since the rebuild started. And Carl Anthony Towns and Ben Simmons are clearly more talented players than anybody we have right now on the roster. I don't think it's a stretch or or an insult to anybody on the Bulls roster currently to say that. Right. 
but I I would I would not classify either Carl Anthony Towns or Ben Simmons as a superstar. Some mm-hmm. some people might. Some people have def- different definitions of what a superstar is. To me, yeah. they are both star players, yeah. and they both are flawed star players. So based on how I read the NBA trade market, either Oladip, whether you're talking about Oladipo or Simmons or Towns, all three of those players, in my opinion, would cost more in a trade than what they're worth as individuals. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because you said, you know, not superstar, but like all-star. And I have this discussion a lot, and I bring this up on on the podcast a lot, that I look at a superstar as like the top of the top. Like we're talking the top seven, top eight players in the league. Right. And then you kind of get into this level that's more bona fide all-star level. And then after that, it's like fringe all-stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we, the term star is used so interchangeably now, but I, I do feel like there is a delineation because, and I don't want to keep you know bringing this up because it's being brought up a lot right now with the heat in the finals. But like to me, even Jimmy Butler, I don't look at him as a superstar. And oh, I no, know some neither. people do. Oh, no. No, I no. look at him top, top 15 player. Yes. 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 But to me, and that, that's a, a bona fide all-star, and that's great. You want that on your team. But to me, a superstar, that top of the top, like the LeBrons of the world, the Giannis of the world. LeBron, Katie, Steph, Giannis, and honestly, right yes. now, I would put Luca right there. Right. Guys that can, in my opinion, single-handedly be the reason you win a championship. Like, be the top reason you win a championship. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is, is almost that delineation right there. But, you know, I feel like the term gets thrown around interchangeably. Yeah, you're right. No, we 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 completely agree on that. Completely agree on that, especially with the Jimmy Butler. I've been and, and, you know, that's not a popular take right now on Bulls Twitter to call him not a superstar. But I've never thought he was a superstar. I thought he's a, he's a star for sure. There's no question about it. Um, mm-hmm. But when I think superstar, I think, you know, like you said, guys who uh, who's whose peak isn't, you know, all NBA third team. You know, like a superstar is is um, for sure. You're like, okay, that's all NBA first team, and that's it. That's what's gonna happen. You're gonna be on NBA first team, and if and you're shocked if they don't make it. You know what I mean? Like those are superstars mm-hmm. to me. Like Jimmy's definitely a star. He's definitely a good player. Uh, he's definitely awesome. You know, to have on your team, man. He makes your team better, as you can see with you know Miami in the finals. But superstar, no, mm-hmm. no. Well, and and real quick with the Jimmy thing, I feel like there's. It's like we can't have two separate discussions about Jimmy. It's like you have to be all in with him or you're against him. And it drives me nuts because the way I see Jimmy, if I if I were a GM, if I were an executive, I would find a way to keep Jimmy on my roster but still find, you know, a star or two to add with him because right. then I'd have a kick-ass team, right? Cuz I'd have really? a, a a killer two-way player. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think where the Bulls were at at that point, this is where things get a little tricky. The way the Bulls were trending, I still, in my heart of hearts, don't believe Jimmy was staying unless somebody was added. And that was the problem. I don't think that was ever going to happen. Correct. Um, and and I, I think there's two just, that's just me. I think there's two separate arguments. It doesn't mean I hate Jimmy because they traded him. Now, Looking back on it, if, if we had AK in charge and we knew that was coming, I would have loved right. to have Jimmy Butler here because it's a yes. lot easier for me to build if you if you have a competent front office that can get creative to add assets. Yes. Sorry, I, and 
And I'll, I'll go to Matt with thoughts on this because I, I feel bad that I've kind of cut in a lot on this discussion. No, I mean, dude, it's your podcast. You should hear how much I talk <laughs> on my podcast. Uh, um, I, you know, and I like I talked this to death with Jordan on Locked On on Monday just because everybody was talking on Bulls Twitter about Jimmy on their way to the finals. I still believe that it was the right call at the time. And I, I think I still will 10 years from now. I don't think Jimmy was a good enough player to be the best player on a championship team. Like you said, Matt, that doesn't necessarily mean that a more competent front office could have built other pieces around Jimmy and found him another star to play with. To me, I was always terrified of that Supermax deal that he was going to get. And not that he didn't deserve it, because I think everything he did for the Bulls organization and the player he became, just based on his own work ethic, he absolutely deserved it. But as a fan, I did not want to commit to a five-year Supermax deal of Jimmy Butler for the Bulls to be a sixth through eight seed and a first round bounce or maybe a second round bounce in the playoffs, as long as LeBron James is in the Eastern Conference somewhere, which at the yeah. time we all thought he was going to be, yeah. and you're committing 38% of your team's salary cap to an aging Jimmy Butler. That made mm -hmm. no sense to me then, and it still doesn't make sense to me now. You know when it makes sense to give a guy like that a super max is if I have LeBron James on my roster. Hey, hello. And I, you know what I mean? If I have him on my roster, then I could say, you know what, Jimmy, here's the super max because we're going after it now to win a title. And right. I know that for at least two or three years in this contract, you're going to be highly productive with my best player. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I keep stressing to people. Uh, the difference is with him here and him in Miami. Miami isn't dependent on him to score 25 points a game. Like Jimmy's averaging, leading their team in scoring, he's averaging 19.9. And they're not dependent on him to just be that guy. Here in Chicago, he better score 24 if the Bulls are going to have a chance to win the game. Like we saw the games where he had to score 40 points and a half. Like they had to, he had to do those things. I don't think he would be that kind of guy to carry a team here in Chicago like that. Now, like you said, we had AK and all that with it. it this would be a different story, you know? But as is and as it was with him being that number one guy that you have to lean on and depend on, I never thought he was that guy. And if you notice when he had that true playoff success is when he got on other teams like Philly and like Miami, where he wasn't that main guy, where he was they weren't dependent on him scoring 20 plus a night. It was just like, you know, just go be Jimmy Butler. Be good. Do everything else because he does everything else well. You know what I mean? He does everything well. He score, rebounding, defense, all that stuff. He does it well. But to be that main guy to say, Jimmy, man, we're going to need you tonight. Might have to drop 38 for us to get this victory. I, I can't see him doing that. I didn't, I, and we didn't see him do that. Well, and, and the good thing is with everything that's happening now to me, I, f I feel like we can start to finally move on a little bit. You know, you, you do have this growing optimism and change going on. So, you know, it's, it's a different regime now leading the Bulls. I, I feel like you can't, you can't dwell on it. The guys that made that oh, yeah. move are no longer here. Yes. Um, and I want to wrap it up with with this question here. And I asked this to the the panel on the previous uh, uh, podcast we did. On a scale of one to ten, how optimistic are you that the Bulls can be title contenders? Oh, title contenders! Oh, within the next three years. Oh, and why? And I'm going to start with Matt on this one. Oh my goodness! On a scale of what? One, one to, to ten. ten. That they can be title contenders within the next three years. Yes. Two? Of course. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how hard it is to win NBA titles? What, the three years? Come on. Well, now, title contender doesn't mean I, like I'm expecting them to be 
right. you know, the Warriors teams we've seen put together. No, but, but I, like to me, that's like you're, within three years, the Bulls are in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what you're saying. Yes. Oh, contending, yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. So my optimism level that the Bulls are going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals within the next three years on a scale of one to ten, I'm going to put that right now at a two. It takes a while. Two. So you're you're the state of Missouri. Show me. <laughs> I, like is that, is that accurate? Sir. Excellent. <laughs> I I have not often been wrong being a person who, when it comes to his Bulls fandom, says I'll believe it when I see it. There, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a realistic approach. I, I kind of border on on both properties, but I don't know if you noticed. I love hypotheticals and and dreaming big. Big Dave, I'll go to uh, I'll go to you on the scale of one to ten. Twelve? No, I'm just playing. Um, on a scale of one to ten, I'd say five. I, I give them a five. Yeah, I give them a five. I think that's that's a legitimate number. And just the belief I have in AK and Mark Eversley is is why I would give it that. I just I just really truly believe in their vision. Um, obviously, and that's right. Like you got to show it, show and prove it. But I saw AK show it, you know what I'm saying? I saw him show it in Denver. And he had that team, you know, contending, you know, real rapidly. You know what I mean? Like super quick. That team became a contender out of nowhere that nobody saw coming. Um, Mm -hmm. So in three years, if if we have the talent that we hope that we have, we we get that free agent. Um, Yeah, I I give it a five. I give it a five. So what you're saying is if we're going to follow the Denver model, we have to get Paul Millsap. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, are you kidding? Vote for Paul Millsap. <laughs> I'm Paul Millsap, obviously. Is, yeah. Paul Millsap <laughs> is the magic elixir that will take this team to the mountaintop. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for, for both your time. That's it for our State of the Bulls podcast. We'll be back with more episodes of the Rebuild the Bull podcast. But until then, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.